This is not New York State of Mind sang by Billy Joel. This is New Year State of Mind. I thought it would be appropriate for, to uh, have this title for New Year, the very first Sunday of 2016. So are you set for New Year State of Mind? You know, um, everybody's looking good, and, and where's Pastor Ben? I mean, uh, Pastor Ben is slick, and he really dressed like a New York state of mind. You've got to put your hat on. And, uh, put the hat on and stand up. You can see that. Yeah. That's a New York state of mind, you know. <clears throat> well, New York state of mind is about how the city of New York is so satisfying for all the one's needs. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to stay in New York. It just gives them all the satisfaction. That's the, that's the New York state of mind sang by Billy Joe. And something, it goes something like this. Some folks likes to get away, takes a holiday from the neighborhood, hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. But I'm taking a Greyhound on the Hudson River line. I'm in a New York state of mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, New Year state of mind is about how our God of hope will satisfy all our needs as we obey his law and as we continue to seek him by praying. That's the New Year, 2000. I hope that that will be our 2016 New Year state of mind. You know, we'll do this thing together so we can just live it, you know. And I kind of thought maybe some folks, I kind of made something up. I didn't spend a whole lot of time. Like some folks like to start anew, making a new resolution and commitments, spending money on fitness to renew. But I'm taking a greyhound on a praying tour. I'm in a new year state of mind. Oh, yeah. How's that? <laughs> How's that, huh? So are we ready to begin a new year? Well, I am too. Now the question is, are all new year resolutions good? Are all new goals good? The question really today is, are all prayers good? Is all the prayers good? Two days ago, uh, we were gathered here uh, on New Year's Day, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And uh, we used um, uh, example, sample uh, from the way in which Nehemiah uh, prayed. He prayed uh, when... He came back from exile, from Babylon, back to Jerusalem, and found the walls of Jerusalem totally crushed, broken. And he was weeping and crying, and he prayed. And when he prayed, he prayed first. Even in the midst of the difficult time, he prayed with his broken heart. But even in the midst of the sadness and brokenheartedness, he first magnified God's name. And then he confessed, he confessed uh, uh, his sin and the sins of his fathers. 
And he affirmed his hope in God. And finally, he petitioned God to give him the success today, and God will find him favor. That's the order in which he prayed. So we are on uh, studying the book of Proverbs, and I was on book of uh, chapter, we finished chapter up to 27 until a couple uh, last week, and this is chapter 28. So I was kind of debating, well, since this is New Year's, the first Sunday, should I just divert from the book of Proverbs and give just pure New Year's message or just continue? Well, I've decided to continue, and I've read the next chapter, which is chapter 28, and then it talks about, voila, talks about the prayer. So what does chapter 28 say about prayer? You'll be surprised. What it's saying is that not all prayers are good. Just remember that. Not all prayers are good. And Proverbs 28, 9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, then even his prayers are what? Detestable. He used the word detestable. It's not like I won't be pleased. Detestable. Well, here's the conclusion. Not all prayers are good. And if you do not listen to the law, God is not going to be pleased. That's the conclusion of the matter from the Proverbs 28, that which is the essence of of the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. How not good? It's detestable. When was the last time you heard the word detestable in the Proverbs? Just a few chapters before, God used to describe the really, really bad things as detestable. He said of there are six things that he hates. And then he wanted to re-emphasize how much he hates. There are seven, in fact, that he detests. And, and those who have not heard it, let me tell you what those things are. The, the category in which when God was using the word detestable, he was saying, holy eyes, I hate that, I don't like it, don't do it as believers. Holy eyes, lying tongues, hangs that, shed innocent blood, heart that divides a wicked scheme. Oh my God, don't we all do this? Feet that are quick to rush into evil? A false witness who pours out lies, a man who stirs up the dissension among brothers. You know what that means for young people? Stirs up the dissension, that's a gossiping. God hates this. No, no, in fact, he says, I detest these things. And then he says about the prayer. If you pray before me and you do not obey the law, even that prayer is detestable to me. Wow. So what is that law that he's talking about? Simply not obeying his command. That's the law. So let's kind of review for some of you who attended two days ago New Year's Day service because we want to really uh, drive on uh, the importance of a prayer as, as a New Year's state of mind driven by uh, the desire for us to really obey God. 
And Nehemiah, when he was praying, his attitude, attitude is very important. Attitude. 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 His attitude was humble and he was broken. And the key word here is really broken. He was broke. Nehemiah 1, 4 says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. How often do we wept before the Lord? For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Here he is, describes his state of mind. His state of mind. Not New York state of mind. It's a New Year state of mind in which we, how we are to initiate and start this new year. It shows that the attitude of desperation, broken, humbling, seeking to begin something new, to build, rebuild the walls once again. That was his state of mind. And in order to do that, when you have that kind of state of mind, Nehemiah, first thing he did was he went and just glorified and just magnified God's name. Instead of like questioning God, instead of like doubting him, God, he magnified God's name by saying, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Great and awesome God who keeps his covenant, who keeps his promise of love with those who love him and obey his command. You see that? The phrase is in there. There is a condition. That condition is he keeps, God keeps his promise of love with those who love him and those who obey his commands. Nehemiah is talking about what is stayed in the Proverbs. If you turn a deaf ear to the law, you may not even get the cake, let alone eating it. Then Nehemiah goes, having said that, having magnified God, he just goes on, then he confesses and just appeals to God of his confession. Let your ear be attentive to your eyes, open to hear the prayers of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servant, the people of the Israel. I confess, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. What is that com- sin that's been committed against you? That's not obeying the law. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Sins against God. That is result of turning deaf ear to the word of God. He confesses, but not obeying the commands. Not only for himself, for his people, not only his people, his parents just as well. Stressing that everybody around me has turned deaf ear to the law. And he's just confessing before God. After that, number three thing, that he, third thing he did is he affirms 
that he has hope in God. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you exile, people are at the furthest horizon. I will gather them back from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as dwelling for my people. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Each and every time, each prayer, they're talking about if you return to me and obey my command. The phrase obey my command is constantly there. Whether you're magnifying God, whether you're confessing God, whether you're affirming, hoping God, if, if your people who have obeyed his command, critically, critically important. That is why not all prayers are good. Finally, he petitions God to give him a success. He's like, okay, you know, I, I adore you, I, and, and I, we com- I confess, and then I have a hope in you, but now, God, I'm petitioning you, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, God, that's what Nehemiah is saying, to, to help me to build this wall that's broken. And let's read verse 10. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servant who delights in revering your name. And give your servant success today by granting him favor, granting him favor in the presence of this man. Nehemiah said, give the success today to those who, that's you and me, who delights in revealing your name. Revealing your name is, how can we reveal his name? If we Obey his law. So God was pleased. So God helped him to build the whole wall, the entire wall that covers the city of Jerusalem in 52 days. And I have no idea how he did it. That's the whole idea. Now we shouldn't have any idea. God did it. And you may say, and this is what I really want to focus today briefly, is this. And you may say, well, I'm certainly in that category of not having obeyed God's command. I surely have turned deaf ears to much of his law. So what's the use? Well, according to this Bible verse, my prayer will not be answered anyway, so why bother? Well, you may be right. But don't walk out on me yet. The wisdom of God is more than just that, in the way you think. Wisdom of God is not the same logic as you have. God states, God states, 
if you turn deaf ears to the law, that I will not listen to your prayer. Even though he said that, that's a statement to make a point to us. But he did something else, and that's what we want to talk about. And this is where we need to really understand the difference between grace and mercy and difference between grace and favor. Here God is talking about mercy and the favor. Grace, as you know, is getting something we do not deserve. We do not deserve to be forgiven for all the things that we have done. But without having to pay any price, God is saying, okay, I'll still love you unconditionally. That's grace. Mercy is not getting something that we deserve. We did something wrong, and we deserve a lot of punishment. But God said, I'm going to spare you. And that's a mercy. It's a form of favor. Yeah, favor is getting his attention because he is pleased. It has some component of of mercy in it. Grace is unconditional. Favor has that conditional component in it. The kind of condition God needs to be pleased so that he could shower us with his mercy. You know, the Bible says that we are justified by grace, and most people understand what that means, and they're satisfied with it. And that salvation is a gift of God, and we know it. What you need to understand is this Bible verse, when it says that his grace is sufficient, is in the Bible, this was spoken to non-believers, people who did not understand who God was. So Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9, 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So if you are believing just in this, the free gift of the salvation, and you don't have to do a thing, you are completely and totally one-sided. This was spoken very clearly to non-believers. Paul wanted to basically explain to the people, it's not about just uh, following the ways of that tradition at that time, but it's about God who came here to save you, even though you don't, we don't deserve it. We want to give it to you anyways. It's by grace. And then once you become believer, people are just completely and totally satisfied, thinking this is the uh, state of mind of the believers and just live it at that. But then if you look at James 2.17, it says, uh-uh. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. So is the prayer of believers. That for our prayers to be answered, for God to bring success, for God to really answer our prayers, we must be able to please God 
as in James 2.17. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it is dead. If the prayer, if you turn deaf ears to the law, he will not listen to the prayer. It is dead. You may then say, well, that's a problem for me. Well, up to this point, uh, I have not been obeying uh, God's law. So maybe I should just forget about praying to God. And I would just, uh, just obey, try to obey for entire 2016, uh, hit, obey the law and try to obey the command and see how I do for entire year. Maybe at the end of the year, maybe I can say a prayer to God. That's pretty logical kind of uh, state of mind, but that's not so. But here is the good news. It's in the gospel of good news. The gospel of good news is that there is interaction between grace and favor. They go hand in hand. There's interaction. It's not always interchangeable, but the interaction between grace and favor. There's interaction between grace and mercy. Working at the same time. And where is this confirmed? It's in, in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace. Go to the throne of grace that is, that is that where the free gift came from, where the God is, with a complete and total confidence so that we may receive mercy or receive favor and find that grace back to grace, the free gift grace, to help us in our time of needs. And, and, and amplify the virgin is a little bit more, you know, energetically uh, clear. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find the grace to help in good time for every need. So if you go back to the prayer of Nehemiah, he shows this cycle. It shows it's a cycle. What is this cycle? He magnifies the name of our Lord. Then what does he do? He confesses the sins. Very critical in our prayers. You must have the confession part in your prayers. You can't just go around and say, Ah, oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Give me this. I need my 2016 to be awesome. Give it to me. You're missing out the very component where you have an opportunity to please God. To seek that grace, which is free gift, we are to confess. Nehemiah did that. The mighty uh, believer, man of faith, he did that. He even prayed, uh, confessed, not only his sins, oh my God, sins of his father, fathers, ancestors, people around him. The people who done wrong, he was confessing. On their behalf, 
That's like a heart of God. You know, heart of God is like, doesn't matter who you are, what kind of, how bad things you have done, he's out there just, you know, unconditionally nurturing, and he wants you to do the same thing in your prayer. Just have the heart of, of God. Confess. Pray for the people who have wronged you. And to seek mercy and favor, we need to obey the law. So, so just I pray that this year, 2016, that your theme, our theme for 2000 year, uh, uh, New Year's state of mind will be just this, to, to obey the law and continue to a prayer to receive the success that we need. What I'm trying to say is this. You may not have obeyed yesterday, and even this morning, but if you ask for forgiveness, if you confess, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you immediately, and that by that action, Alone, you are obeying the law, and all is forgiven, and God will answer, hear your prayer because you obey the law. That makes sense to you. You see, grace and then favor, mercy, and then grace, they're interacting together. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. Before it was all just, you know, God doing everything in, 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 in that way, but now it's God, Jesus, I'm going to send my son, and I'm going to give you both. I'm going to give you grace. It's a free gift. But I'm also going to give you uh, our, your, your son. But if you, our son, my son, if you listen to him, if you follow him, he has the ability in his name to, be, to forgive you. And if you, if you ask that for that forgiveness, you are actually obeying the law. So therefore, you have not turned Deaf ears to the law, so I will answer your prayer. It go together. They go together. And Nehemiah prayed in that particular order. First, magnifying the name of God, admitting to him his almighty God. Second, what did he do? Again, he confessed. What did he confess? The sins. What are the sins? Things that his and his people have committed. What have they committed? They turn deaf ear to the law. That's exactly what happened. And what does it take to confess? It takes broken heart. And that's how Nehemiah was. He was broken. He wept and mourned and fast. And by confessing, he was able to obey the command. So God is pleased. So in his dire uh, situation, he magnified God's name. He confessed. He affirmed his faith in God's promise. Then he petitioned. And God was pleased, so God helped him to build the wall in 52 days. So let God 
build, rebuild your life in 2016. Let your new year state of mind be set on prayer as we continue to obey the law.